Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 344. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at Annabelle Atanasio's Mickey and the Bear. We'll also be talking about someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember to please consider reviewing us on iTunes if you get a chance. That'd be incredible. Just a couple housekeeping things. There will be a new Ryan Watches a movie this week. We had him. He wanted a sci-fi, so we gave him a sci-fi movie. A 90s sci-fi movie, so stay tuned for that. And also, shortly after we're recording this episode, we're going to be doing a new Save by the 90s. It'll be our Thanksgiving special. I'm very excited about that. We're going to be talking about four Thanksgiving-themed movies that were released in November throughout the decade. One of them one of them is, well, you know what? I guess I'll just give listeners of this show a little sneak peek. So we're talking about Home for the Holidays, which was directed okay. by jo- Jodie Foster. We're talking about yeah. the, the Ice Storm, directed by mm-hmm. Ang-, Ang Lee. We're talking about Adam's Family Values, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the Santa Claus. That's going to be a little like a transition into the holiday because part of that takes place over Thanksgiving. We're also going to be talking about two Thanksgiving specials that were on TV, the Animaniacs Thanksgiving special and the Winnie the Pooh Thanksgiving special that came out in 1998. Very excited. Very excited to dive into these. This is the first time I revisited the Ice Storm in quite a few years, and I really, really love that movie. Okay. And it holds up great. So it's actually... Actually, all four of the movies that we watched pretty much hold up. Home for the Holidays, less so, but the others hold up pretty well. So stay tuned for that. Don't have a release date just yet, but it's probably going to come out the day before Thanksgiving, Wednesday the 27th. But keep an eye out on our on our Twitter, at 90spod, and we'll have the actual release date. But tentatively, Wednesday the 27th for that. All right, let's dive into our review this week. Mickey and the Bear is what we're talking about. I have a synopsis here. Faced with the responsibility to take care of her addict veteran father, headstrong teen Mickey keeps her household afloat. This stars Camilla Maroney and James Badge Dale. I have a review for this up on the site. So, Kevin, we'll start it with you. What did you think of Mickey and the Bear? Mm, Mickey and the Bear. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those uh, indies that is perfectly fine, perfectly serviceable, and you know that's pretty much it. It, it kind of has a storyline that pretty much seen before. You know, it's pretty familiar territory that you're dealing with here. I mean, there's some interesting choices being made throughout, but again, for the most part, you know, it doesn't really doesn't really stand out in any any way like performance wise cinematography wise uh storytelling wise creativity any of those things like nothing really stands out it doesn't really take any risk whatsoever it's just perfectly perfectly fine yeah i'm i'm pretty much right there with you i think that all of the things that you mentioned are are good the cinematography mm-hmm. i thought was was quite good and the performances by the the two leads, Camilla Maroney and James Badgedale, I thought were also really good. I think Camilla Maroney has a really promising career ahead of her. She was incredible in Never Going Back. And James Badgedale, when I first saw the trailer for this movie, 
before it came out, before I saw it, I didn't even realize that was him. I thought it was. I didn't. I didn't understand that either because I'm. I'm pretty sure I've seen James Batch Dale in things, but this guy was not James Batch Dale to me. Yeah, it was a very, <laughs> very transformative role for him. It's very bizarre. I don't know who this guy is that's in this movie. Yeah, I thought he did a really, really great job. But I will agree that, like you said, it is, it's all very serviceable. It's a story that we, we have seen before. It's, I think it's a very gritty and real story. I think it's a story that probably a lot of people can relate to. You know, you have this high school senior who has a potentially promising future ahead of, ahead of her. She gets into this college this college is in i think it was san diego or san francisco i can't remember which one san diego San Diego. College. yeah so she she gets into the school she gets a scholarship but she's she's torn because her father is knee deep in this opioid addiction and she basically i mean he can't even really function as a human she has to take care of him every day and she knows that if she leaves and goes to college, like he's probably not going to make it. So yeah. it's it's a really hard decision for her. There, her her mom passed away, and so he he doesn't have anybody to help him. She's the only one, and often this gets in the way of her just living her her life. And sadly, I think that that's probably a very common thing for people for young people in america yeah yeah getting stuff taking kind of taking care of your one of your parents mm-hmm. being kind of like, trapped trapped in that situation especially to uh, uh you know geographically speaking where she's at yes not, there's not a whole lot going on there yeah so this takes place in rural montana i want to say montana yeah montana because she's wearing montana so you you have these sort of pretty pretty relevant themes of you know the opioid crisis and the other thing is like he's a veteran and he was injured and they don't really get into it i was kind of hoping that they would get into it a little bit more of how he was treated after coming back from from deployment where he clearly has post-traumatic stress he is suffering from other injuries and obviously he's not being taken care of by the VA and they don't really get into that too much. And I was kind of hoping that maybe they would dive into that a little bit deeper just to give the movie a little bit more substance. But as it stands, I think it's all, it's all fine. It's, it's all, it's all good for me. For me, that is, one of the aspects of this movie storytelling wise that I did appreciate where they don't go into it more because this movie Mickey is centered she is this is about Mickey I'm having to do so it doesn't like even though her dad comes into it and there's a couple of scenes with him you know with the PTSD and everything but this is more of just her which was something that I did appreciate like with in regards to her love interest how they kind of, they were there and then sometimes they might just disappear and you don't really see them anymore. 
that's another aspect of the movie too, where she has this, mm, I don't know if I'd go as far as uh, calling him abusive, but like heading, heading down that path. Like, like if she, if she stayed with him, it probably would have ended up there. Yeah. Let's, Let's say that he, he has it in him. Yeah, he it's has a, he, he has a future in in it, and then she so, something happens and she basically breaks up with him and then meets this other guy. But her dad sort of sabotages that whole relationship, which is something that I, another thing that I did kind of appreciate. Where for the most part there isn't this, like you said in the beginning, it's it's pretty realistic in that in this movie there isn't this like. I, there was a part of me that was worried because I'm always kind of waiting for this like huge dramatic thing to happen that just, you know, cripples everyone. But luckily that didn't happen. You know, it's kind of, you know, it's on an even keel, just realistic and that there's not this, like when they went hunting, I was just, I was, there's a part of me that was thinking that, okay, they're going to do something insane here just out of left field they would feel completely out of place but thank god they didn't do that now they do a tiny bit at the end the way that the 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 relationship between her and her father how it kind of escalates to the breaking point i thought that was a little bit odd i didn't think it was odd i didn't necessarily think it was odd because i saw the the dad character as being a complete wild card from the beginning. Like I I was thinking throughout the whole movie, like what, what you were saying, I think is, is it is a, a, um, a positive in the movie where she's navigating through her life. And it's not just her dad that, that could potentially derail her future, right? She's dealing with this boyfriend who is clearly, I mean, she could get pregnant at any moment. She could, something could happen with her boyfriend where he does something completely horrific. And then, so every, it seemed like every scene was something being put up against her that could possibly completely derail her future. And I, I thought that that was a really interesting way to, to present her story and going back to what her dad does towards the end. I, I was worried that that was going to happen sooner. Like I, I, there's a scene earlier in the movie when he sort of flips out on her and I was like, Oh God, this is like, they seem too close. Like there's something that's, that's going to happen here. He's going to do something really awful. So I was under the impression that something like that could happen at any moment throughout the whole, throughout the runtime. I was like, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to happen, but it was, gotcha. al- it was, yeah, yeah. it was always something in the back of my mind. Like he's, he's a person who's capable of doing something like this. So I was always worried for her, but you know, there had to be something, there had to be something that finally broke her and made her, forced her to make that decision. Yeah. I honestly could have done, a, you know, a lot more of her just doing her job of taxidermy. Yeah. <laughs> I could have taken a lot more time with that. Yeah, she had a good job. Just, uh, just you know, it's interesting stuff right there. 
doing all sorts of wildcats, deers. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like it looks like they're doing an ibex at some point. Like, got all sorts of wild animals in there. Many creatures, many creatures to be stuffed. Menagerie of dead stuffed animals. Now, what did you think of? So this is the, I believe it's the feature debut of uh, the the director Annabelle Adnacio. How did you feel she did in her feature debut? Well enough. Like I said, everything's everything's fine. Everything's good. But it, it also kind of feels like uh, a debut, not in that it's, you know, like amateur or anything along those lines. It just it feels like one of those template movies where it's just like, here's the template indie. You have this person and this person, and there's the conflict and trying to get out of this small town. Classic, know, just, it, classic poverty yeah, porn. It just feels like so many movies before it. It's a, it's a decent enough version of that, but at the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't stick out in any way, outside of you know, it's Montana. Okay, that's different. Got some different landscapes, but that's about it, really. I, I think that a lot of directors on their feature debut tend to have this sort of kitchen sink approach where they have all these ideas and they just want to get everything in there and they, they just cram it full. And there's, there's almost too much. There's almost too many ideas happening at once on the screen. Uh, and I don't think she falls for that. It's almost the opposite where she, she really just strips this story down and it's, it's pretty, it's a, it's a simple story. It's pretty, pretty bare bones. But I think at the same time, she, does a really great job in in telling this small slice of life story that I think is not only relevant, but I think a lot of people can probably relate to what's happening on screen. Oh, but yeah. I, I do agree yeah. with you that, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty standard in its overall narrative. But I think that one thing that, that slightly sets this apart is that, and we talked about this before, there is no big, like, cinematic plot point that, that happens something that like, you know, sort of breaks the, the realism of this. There's not any, any kind of like crazy over the top moments that occur that. that yeah. It that, doesn't, it, it doesn't build up to that, like just massive cinematic tragedy. Right. And everyone's got to come back from everything is kept very very grounded and i think that that's that's a good thing in this case any final thoughts on mickey and the bear oh no it's pretty good uh i would say check it out i think it's playing in new york right now and i think that it's going to be out later on elsewhere let me just double check Okay, so it's going to be in, it's currently playing in New York. It opens in LA on the 22nd, and then it opens wider on the 29th of November. Hmm. Uh, all right, I gave this a seven and a half, or a, I think it was a seven and a half I gave it. Kevin, when are you going to give it? I give it a six. All right, there you go. That's Mickey and the Bear. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. I think it might be my turn. Go for it. We'll start off with uh, an action movie called Reborn. 
This is directed by Yuji Shimamura. Excuse me. This was billed as the Japanese John Wick. And I was like, all right. Let's let's see what this is all about. Is this the Japanese John Wick? And it is sort of. It's got some really, really awesome, really great choreography, intense action moments. Storyline mm, is fine. It's serviceable. It stars Tak uh, Sekaguchi, who you may know from Versus and... Mm. And uh, Azumi, and I think more more recently he was in Why Don't You Play in Hell. I feel like it's been a while since I've seen him, and uh, so I was happy to see him go back to an action movie, and he basically plays this super soldier. He has the ability to dodge bullets in this. Like, they don't, they don't tell you. Like, he's not, like, injected with... There's no sci-fi elements. He's not, like, injected with a serum or anything like that. But he's just such a badass that he can just dodge bullets like it's nothing. Why not? Yeah. Uh, really intense, bloody. There's a decent amount of practical effects in here. Some CG blood going on, but not a lot. Not enough to for it to really bother me. So I, w- I would recommend checking out Reborn. This is on Shudder now. This just... Uh, came out on shutter this week it says it was it it says 2016 but i don't i don't know i guess it just got released here in the states in like a proper way so yeah check it out it's if you're looking for some really intense visceral action lots of craziness going on in this reborn reborn i think you dig it yeah, it sounds uh, it sounds up my alley. Yeah, at least enough to check it out. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it on the uh, keep it on the keep it on the list for Ryan. I think he'd be into this one. There we go. I saw Burning Cane. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Came came up on the Netflix there yeah, last I you, weekend. I know you're excited about this stuff. one. Doing birthday stuff, watching Burning Cane. Yeah, this is from uh, Philip Human. So this is the this is the guy the the nineteen year old yeah nineteen that, years know, old movie wins wins Tribeca right Tribeca mm-hmm. one of those New York things yeah it's Tribeca so, I didn't know like okay I knew he directed but I didn't I didn't realize that he was all you know the writer he was also the editor he was also the cinematographer so he pretty you know kind of the whole thing there whole kit and caboodle of Burning Game. Now, this is relatively short, and this, I can see this going either way for some people. I can see this being, because there, there are points where it kind of feels like a short just kind of stretched out, and then on the other side, if you're into it, I think it really works well, because it has this feel of just kind of in and out. You don't really, like, the time elapsed isn't really, like, nailed down. You're just kind of you're with this character for a little bit, now you're over here, and then you're with this character, and just time's passing, you're not really sure how much, that type of thing. So you have Wendell Pierce playing, he's a reverend, and his church, and it's kind of dwindling. His wife left him, he's kind of a drunk, or his wife was going to leave him, but I think she ended up dying. He's a drunk. He's always drinking and driving. 
older woman, uh, Helen, who she's like a member of the church. And then it's also like the other tie-in is her son and her grandson. Her son is like a big time drunk trying to take care of his son, which for whatever reason, he likes to give him liquor. He's a very young kid, should not be drinking liquor. And, you know, it just kind of goes in in and out of all those things. Uh, the cinematography is pretty fantastic. This takes place in rural uh, Louisiana. So you got phenomenal location and just uh, some interesting choices visually too. There's the, the way that this movie ends is she ends up making this decision and it's shot from the outside, right? Through at night, outside, through the window pane. So all you see is her silhouette in the window of what she's preparing to do and what she ends up doing which was uh, it was a pretty phenomenal final shot. Yeah, I, I yeah. plan on I definitely plan on seeing this before the end of the year. And it's on Netflix, Burning Kane. Yeah. Is it a Netflix original? I don't think it is. No, 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 cuz it was um uh Ava DuVernay's company bought it. Oh. They're the ones that picked it up, the Array. Array? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I saw The Day Trippers from 1996. This is directed by Greg oh. Matola. Holy shit. We were, we were looking to watch this last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because were you watching it because of Thanksgiving? Uh, I, was, I wasn't, actually. I mean, I, I, it's just a good coincidence. It just came out on Criterion. Yeah. So uh, I, I did a review for the Criterion version of this. Oh, I gotcha. And uh, so this is Greg Matola's directorial debut. It stars Hope Davis, Parker Posey, Liv Shriver, um, Stanley Tucci's in there, and Mira. Oh, and Mira is so incredible in this movie. But then again, everybody is. So the movie takes place over the course of one day, and it is about a family who they decide to take a trip into the city. So they live in in upstate New York. And then they decided to take day trip into the city because a Parker Posey and Liv Shriver's characters, they're, they're dating their couple and uh, their parents played by Ann Mira. And I can't remember Pat McNamara, I believe they drive them into the city and hope Davis plays Parker Posey's sister. And she discovers a, a letter in her bedroom that appears to be a love letter from someone. And so she wants to go to her husband's office and talk to him about what this letter could be. So it turns into this sort of fun family romp where they're all trying to figure out where the husband is played by Stanley Tucci. And they're, they end up just like meeting these other people in the city and having these sort of, little side adventures and it's just, it really made me reminisce about nineties indie movies and how much I really love indie movies, American indie movies of the nineties, because this is so much of an American indie movie of the nineties. I mean, it just exudes that where the bulk of the movie is just conversations, just conversations in the car Seemingly pointless conversations, lots and lots of dialogue, very low budget. This had like a $50,000 budget. It was shot on 16 millimeter. 
And I just really, really enjoyed it. I, I had such a great time with this. Certainly it's not for everyone. I think a lot of people might find it a bit too dry, but I had a blast with it. And the, the new Criterion version, they fully restored it. So before the Criterion version, you could only get this on DVD and it was pan and scan. So it was four by three and it was awful. Apparently I didn't see it on DVD, but apparently the, the transfer was just so terrible and they fully remastered it. So it looks gorgeous and you have a commentary track from Greg Matola and uh, Campbell Scott, who was, he was in it, but he also produced it. And uh, there were some other people on the commentary track. And then you have bonus features that have, uh, like conversations, new newly recorded conversations between Greg Matola and Parker Posey and Liv Shriver and Hope Davis. So lo- like really candid conversations that were really fun. So yeah, highly recommend checking out the day trippers. And it is, as you said, a Thanksgiving movie as well. Yeah. Cause we're, we're currently in the, in the throes of finding and watching Thanksgiving movies. Right. So, that one we weren't able to find, but this this list that we had of Thanksgiving movies told us you've got mail from Nora Ephron. It's a Thanksgiving movie, so we watched that because I also thinking you know what it'll be interesting to see you know a movie from 1998 completely centered around the internet and email. It's just it's going to be fun, and for that alone, okay. I just thought that this was like kind of like a simple rom-com, right? Because I just figured there's two people are mailing each other and then they finally meet at some point in time. What I didn't realize is that Tom Hanks' character in this is like he's absolutely terrible. Yeah, he's an awful person. If I remember correctly, he owns like a giant chain bookstore, right? And he's trying to... Yeah. Or he's like a manager of one or something? He owns it. His family owns Fox Books. Just since it's like these giant, you know, like Barnes and Noble type borders type deal, right? And Meg Ryan, she owns a little independent bookshop that specializes in, in children's books. So his, his family, their bookstore moves into the neighborhood. All the independents start shutting down, right? They're corresponding back and forth. They're in love with each other, right? They're not meeting. They live in the same area. They just don't know, but they do meet each other, but they don't know that the, the people with the email on their AOL. So he does though. He finds out that she is the woman that he's been emailing this whole time, right? So she hates him. He knows that for sure. So he's like, oh, well, I won't let her know that I know. And then I'll just try and like manipulate her into meeting this guy and falling for this guy. So he's like meeting up with her all the time and like talking to her about like, Oh, what did the guy in the email say? And and it's him the whole fucking time. Like he, and he's like lying for, you know, months. And then at the end, it's just supposed to be like quirky fun. Like, ah, <laughs> not that bad of a dude, but he is like, he ruined her whole life. And then lied to her about it for months. And then he was just like, hey, I am the guy from the email thing. And she was like, oh, 
Oh, you. you know, just a little, she does the make, you know, the make Ryan face. Like, oh, and then, you know, apparently they're going to be together. And also, it's not a Thanksgiving movie. There's one fucking scene where everyone's shopping for Thanksgiving and someone's like, happy Thanksgiving. That's it. Literally one minute of the movie. There's not a whole lot because obviously I did a lot of research around Thanksgiving movies for the upcoming episode of Saved by the 90s. There's not a lot that are specifically centered around Thanksgiving. No, there isn't. And like, and that's why, like, so we we picked the Santa Claus as our last one, and I'm like, wasn't that like a Christmas movie? And like, I I remembered most of that movie from watching it as a kid, and I didn't remember anything about Thanksgiving being in it. So I like read up on it before I wasted time watching it again. And like a lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, it takes place over Thanksgiving. Like he has to do this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, let's, let's do it. And then I watched it in preparation for the show. And it's like, there's really nothing about Thanksgiving in this. This is just straight up Christmas. (laughs) But I mean, it still acts as a good transition into the, Christmas because I mean like basically the day after Thanksgiving you're in Christmas mode anyway so well that's not even like for whatever reason this year hell Christmas started like yeah like the day after Halloween all right that's you got mail it really sucks yeah I remember never really being a fan of that one to begin with the only other one I'll mention here is called The Shed. This is a horror movie that came out this past weekend. It's directed by Frank uh, Sabatella. It's about a... It's like a horror comedy. It's sort of billed as a horror comedy, although I didn't find it to be very funny at all. And it's about this kid who is... He's getting bullied in school, and he discovers that... Okay, so... First of all, his family, his his parents were killed in, I think it was a car accident. No, no, no. That's not correct. His mom died of cancer, I believe, and then his dad killed himself. And he's living with his grandfather, who is kind of a dick, kind of, a, kind of abusive. And so he has a pretty shitty life, and he discovers that there's a vampire living in his shed. So this guy gets bit by a vampire and takes shelter in this kid's shed to get out of the sun. And his grandfather gets eaten by the vampire. And then like his, his best friend, he tells his best friend about it. And his best friend decides that he's going to feed the bullies to the vampire and it sort of escalates from there, and it's just not very good. It pulls in tropes from a lot of other horror movies, but instead of like necessarily like feeling like it's an homage to other horror movies, it just feels lazy. And I didn't really think anything about it was new or inventive or really entertaining in any way. So I can't recommend The Shed. That's a bummer. I have a, I have a, a, I do have a horror movie that I can recommend, and I mean this happened a while ago, but I just want to talk about it because I loved it so much. That's Black Christmas. Oh hell yeah! Seventy-four, Bob Clark. I've always heard really good things about Black Christmas, so finally, 
you know, it's up there on Amazon Prime. I said, I'm doing it. I mean, it was after Halloween. So, but I was like, I'm, I wanted to watch it for Halloween. Didn't get to. I'm going to make it happen. So I finally watched this thing. And, oh, my goodness. This movie is so good. Everyone's right. Not often does that happen. Everybody was right. This is, it's disturbing. It's unsettling. Uh, it's just kind of bizarre in its structure and the way everything, you know, plays out. The decisions being made, like, you know, mixing the point of view stuff in there and the breathing. The guy just breathing like crazy all the time. And then his the phone calls that he would make are just really, just really disturbing phone calls. I don't know exactly what's going on there. And that was my favorite thing about this movie is they don't explain any of it. Nothing. Who the dude is? Nothing. Why he's saying what he's saying? Nope. Why he's there? Why he's making phone calls? Why he's doing anything? Or who he even is? Nothing. They're not going to tell you shit. Right? Shit's just going to happen. And then we were talking about it, you know, in the Halloween episodes with the bleak movies and evil winning. This this one's bleak. Mm, and just mm-hmm. the, the way the way they do everything, that whole like ending sequence is just pretty much fantastic. And it also just shows you like the the ineptitude of most of the men in that area, especially the ones on the police force. Just never once like, hey, let's just comb the house real quick. None of that. No one once thought of like, hey, let's just check out the rooms. Might be a good idea. Nope. <laughs> I mean, this thing is just pretty much damn near perfect. Are you amped up for the, the new remake? I mean, I kind of am. I mean, I was slightly intrigued to begin with because I knew people love Black Christmas and the fact that it's, you know, Sophia Tuchel directing it. But now I'm kind of even more excited because I'm like, damn, this movie is actually great. But there is that caveat of like, oh, well, now I could be like really disappointed and upset that it was remade. From what I like sort of saw in the trailer and looked at like the the marketing materials and stuff, it looks like it's going to be quite different. It looks like it's going to be more like the 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 girls who are being targeted are going to be kicking some ass in it, which mm-hmm. kind of has me okay. intrigued. See, that's, that's, that's how you got to do it. If you're going to redo something, like we do it, do something different. Yeah. Like the, uh, like, um, Lee Wanell's upcoming invisible man reboot. Oh, I'm very excited about that. Have you seen that trailer? Yeah. yeah that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that kind of thing. That looks I love the premise of that. I think it's. I think that's going to be something something special. The other remake, the one that came out in I think it was two thousand six for Black Christmas, is no no good. You, you yeah, can, you I, can, had a, I had a feeling because I've ne- I've never heard anyone bring it up. Yeah, you can skip that one. I mean, it was I it was everyone just agreed. I think I think if it wasn't a Black Christmas remake, it would have been fine. Like it would have been a serviceable slasher movie, but because it is a remake of a classic that it was held under more scrutiny and it was just like the ending they they changed a lot of things with it and it just didn't 
it wasn't and near, I mean, nearly as good. The, that's the thing. Like, if if you're gonna do essentially the same thing as the 1974 movie and just you know, I guess do it in the present day of the time, like why the 1974 movie is pretty much perfect. So just try something else. Yeah, exactly. Do something else. But as I'm looking through the cast list of Back Black Christmas 2006. You know, someone is cast as Billy's mother, and there's an Agnes, and there's a Billy at different ages. That's, don't do that. Yeah. That was one of the best things about this. Yeah. <laughs> the 74 version is that there's no backstory to the person. Don't do that. That's where, that's, that's where you end up screwing yourself. Original Black Christmas, directed by Bob Clark, who Incredible. you may all know from A Christmas Story, director of A Christmas Story. And Karate Dog, uh, yeah. of course. We can't forget Karate Dog. He's responsible for like, maybe two of the best Christmas movies. Yeah. Right. He's also responsible for Super Babies, Baby Geniuses too. And Fudge Mania. Yeah. Don't forget Fudge Mania. <laughs> 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 Maniac McGee. 2003. Oh my god, what a, what a career. Very, Incredible. yeah. And of course, Porky's too. He's the director of the first Porky's. He was. Oh, and Cannon. I think he did Porky's too, as well. Yeah, we're really uh, varied in his uh, choices here. I forgot. There's one other one that I'll quickly mention, and that's Hitchhike to Hell from 1977. This is directed by Irvin Berwick. Uh, I'm working on a review for this. It's coming out on Arrow this week. This is a, I don't know, it's not great. It's kind of your classic hitchhiker, murderer, serial killer story. I mean, for when this came out, it was somewhat new. And when, right before this came out, there actually was a, a serial killer who was murdering hitchhikers in California. So it's l- very loosely based on that story. Mm-hmm. And basically it's about this guy who he's sort of a Norman Bates type character where he's loves his mom. He's a mama's boy and his sister ran away from home and it devastated his mother. And because of that, anytime he picks up a hitchhiker, he will ask them about, you know, what, where they're going and why they're leaving and stuff. And anytime anybody says that they ran away from home or anytime they say something bad about their mom, he uh, rapes them and kills them. No, Jesus. And that's, that's just what he does. That's his thing. And yeah. it's, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's not great. The thing about this too, is like, this is supposedly uh, uh, like a restoration, a 2k new 2k restoration. And it looks like shit. It looks so bad. There's like so many dust particles and scratches and stuff. Like, I don't know how they can call this a restoration. And there's two versions of it on the disc. And I watched both. uh, And they were out. I watched half of one. And then the other half I watched the other, the other version, which just two different aspect ratios. And both look the same. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's not great. That's, that's Hitchhike to Hell. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Frozen 2 is the big one. You excited for Frozen 2? There you go. That's it. That's your weekend sorted. 
Have you seen Frozen 1? Uh, no. No. Neither have I. I saw parts of it, but not the whole thing. I don't know. I, I was I was briefly, I just thought about saying, maybe I'll watch it, but then I quickly maybe realized <laughs> then I quickly realized, no, I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> Fro- Frozen <laughs> one Frozen One or Two. The the brief bits that I saw of the first one, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Which is funny though, because like it's not that I'm like a cynical old man or anything like that. I got Disney Plus and it because it's all of the Disney movies, many of which were, you know, in in the vault for years and years. Uh, I now have access to a lot of these older Disney movies that I haven't seen for many, many years. And this week I rewatched Oliver and Company and Sword in the Stone. So I've been going back and rewatching a lot of my favorite Disney movies growing up, and it's been amazing. It's just been an amazing time. Um, anyway, we also have 21 Bridges coming out. It's the one with Chadwick Boseman, the the cop the cop thriller. Mm-hmm. We also have A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. That's the Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers biopic. Heard a lot of really great things about that one. Mm-hmm. Who directed that, just out of curiosity? Uh, Mario Heller. What else? Okay. What else did she do? Oh, she did. Um, Can you ever forgive me? That's what she did. Yeah. Which I never saw, but I heard good things across the board about that one. Yeah, same here. Same here. It's on. It's on the HBO Go. So. Well, there you go. She did at some point. Uh, yeah, I'll be seeking this one out. I'll certainly be watching it before the end of the year. Uh, we also have shooting the mafia. Hmm. It's about a uh, photographer in Italy who began to uh, document the mafia and sort of the the target that that put on on her. Mm. Looks pretty good. Uh, that's about it for theaters on VOD this week. The 19th, we have A Reindeer's Journey, which is a documentary about a family of reindeer, I believe. Mm. Yeah. We have Queen of Hearts. This is a, uh, I think it's a drama. We have Angel Fish. This looks like another romantic drama. Starring Princess Nokia. Mm. Okay. Takes place in the Bronx in 1993. Oh boy! <laughs> you know that? It, uh, it, yeah, that seems like something that I'd be into, but no. Top of the watch list. Uh, nah. We believe in dinosaurs is also coming out on the 19th. This is a documentary about the that Noah's Ark thing. What the oh, hell's that? Pla- what the hell's that place called? Yeah, that I think it, then it's just called. Uh, I thought it was just called Nova's Ark. Nah, it's called like the, like Creation Museum or something like that. I can't. Oh remember. yeah. Uh, on the twenty second, we have thirty twenty two, which uh, mm-hmm. involves a group of astronauts living in the haunting emptiness of space. 
They awake to find Earth has suffered an extinction-level event. So it's about a bunch of astronauts living in space, and then they realize that everybody on Earth is dead, and they're the only ones left. Wow. Omar Epps. Yep. And then Miranda Coscara. Yeah, this is one of these Saban Films titles. So that should should clue you in on as to the the quality of these Saban films titles. Yeah, that's pretty much it for VOD. Blu-ray this week we have the 4K release of Suspiria from 1977. The whole 9 yards from 2000 is getting a Blu-ray release. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh god. Who's picking out the whole 9 yards? It was a pretty popular movie when it came out. In 2000? Remember, and then they made the sequel, The Whole Ten Yards? But Cla- classic you, Bruce Willis, Matthew Perry combo? I just want to know how many of these they're going to sell. I need to know. Not many, but just for preservation's sake, I'm glad that they are doing it. We got Scarface from 1932 coming out on Blu-ray. 3,000 Miles to Graceland from 2001. <laughs> Oh, man. That's even worse than the whole nine yards. Oh, my God. I, we, I, I, we, we saw we that. We saw that in the theater. Yeah. yeah we, we saw, saw it together. The, the thing I'll never forget about 3,000 Miles to Graceland is the scorpion fight at the beginning. Remember that? And it looked, it was all done in CG, but they all look like robot scorpions. It looked like Transformers, that show uh, Beast Wars that was out during that time <laughs> where they, they look like robotic scorpions fighting. Oh God. What a wow. really bad movie that one was. Mm-hmm. The fan from 1981 is coming out. American me from 1992. I believe that's a shout factory. Rock and roll high school from 1979. looks like a steel book. 40th anniversary edition. Yeah. I can't believe 40 years since that movie came out. That's wild. Memory, The Origins of Alien is coming out. That's the the documentary about, obviously, the origins of the Alien movie. It's pretty, it's decent. The Boys Next Door from 1985. Uh, The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yak from 1984. The Perils? The Perils oh, of Gwendolyn oh, in the Land of the Yik Yak. Wow. Tony Katane. This is a Severin Films release. Wow. The director's name is Just Jackin. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the plot keywords, black panties, breath, thong, prostitution, prostitute. Gwendolyn arrives in China in a box. Okay, well, this is going on my watch list for sure. I have to see what this is all about. Uh, wait, what? Do you mind if I read the synopsis real quick? No, go ahead. Gwendolyn arrives in China in a box and is helped out of her immediate predicament by a female contact and a devil-may-care adventurer. She's on a mission to find her father, who was last seen searching for a rare butterfly in the land of the Yik Yak. They confront the evil... Chops, I guess, in an attempt to find Gwen's lost father and the butterfly and face many other challenges to their mission. That just sounds 
ridiculous. Yeah, I have to see this. I have to see it. Apparently, the Blu-ray has two different cuts of the movie on it, too. So, there you go. Wow. Incredible. Hitchhike to Hell is coming out. It's from 1977. That's on Arrow. Jawbreaker from 1999, getting a Blu-ray release. I like Jawbreaker. It's good stuff. Blinded by the Light from earlier this year. Uh, Shout Factory is releasing Chuck Berry, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll from 1987. Someone Behind the Door, starring Charles Bronson. That's from 1971. The Divine Fury from earlier this year. I was a little meh on that one. American Dreamer from earlier this year, starring Jim Gaffigan. Oh, is this the one with the exploding car? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, buddy. Uh, it looks like that's pretty much it. What about Criterions this week? Oh, we have a double. Two for... Got Cold War from 2018. 4K. And then, you know, I got some of the interviews, press conference from Can, A couple make-enough type things there. New subtitle translation. And then Betty Blue from 1986. Also, a couple of those make-enough docs. This is not a 4K, though. Just a high definition digital restoration. Uh, some interviews, a short film. Did you see that Roma is coming out on Criterion? I did see that. What do you think? I I guess that's fine. Good for people to have it on a on a physical copy. Yeah, first Netflix movie that's going to be on Criterion. I think it's a good choice. Sure. All right. Sure. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>